EAG. They're leading the game. What game? The M&A game. The data conversion game. The last 18 years, EAG has helped dozens of EMP companies expedite acquisition onboarding, including the conversion of systems and data, allowing operators to hit even the most aggressive of TSAs. A 90-day TSA? Sure. 60-day TSA? No problem. 30-day TSA? Crazy, aggressive, but EAG can help. EAG has a refined, proven process to help operators integrate acquisitions and is the undisputed heavyweight champ for your M&A integration needs. For more information, visit EAGservices.com. That's right, EAGservices.com. Yeah. Listen, we're going to do it like this. Yusuf Chadiri, tune in now for all your money. Yeah. We can do it like this. All right, welcome to another week of Oil Money, hosted by myself, the five foot ten inch wonder, and uh, Yusuf Chaudhry, as you are well aware. And this week, our guest, the great and powerful Chuck Yates. Leave room for applause. Okay. No, 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 no. no, Hold on. We have to do this now because, you know, I say the same thing every intro I do. Okay. Okay. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Chuck Yates Needs a Job, the podcast. It's so cool this week that my guest is. I say that every week. It's getting embarrassing. (laughs) It is getting kind of embarrassing. Yeah. People are texting me. But you're, but you're, can we say it's an honor that the guest is such and such? Can we change it somehow? Let's just start right okay. where we want to start. Like, okay. why? Where would that be? Go why? Oh, well, first, nobody... wait, 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 wait. Okay. Buzz Chuck's kid. on because we have talked about him for every single episode we've done so far. I don't think we're going to stop, but it's just, it needed to happen so that you could come on and defend yourself against the things Okay, that yeah, that's said. okay. So you can defend yourself, but let's just start right. Let's just start at the very beginning. Why are you so unlikable? <laughs> Why does nobody like you? I th- I think you can only say Denver EFT on that. Okay, Denver EFT, which <laughs> I think they're the only ones that hate me. I can- There's a little bit of Calgary hate going on with me too. But Why uh, do you think that is? Because obviously, beyond the obvious, beyond the obvious, how you look, you. Um, what do you think it could possibly be? Why does Denver EFT and Possibly Calgary FD, not like you. In in all fairness, I'm not sure I really know because I read this book. It's a good book, folk singer Mike Patrick Smith, and I just thought it was an interesting story. And I said everybody should read the book, and then this thing kind of blew up. So I'm not sure. As best I can tell, people seem to be upset that someone, you know, what hundreds of thousands of people testify each year before subcommittees of Congress. So, right. But people seem to be upset that this guy did it because he spent 10 months in the oil field. I mean, he was testifying because he wrote a book, right? He was testifying because he wrote an editorial for the New York times. That's why he was testifying. But anyway, so people seem to be upset by, by, by that. Then I guess they're also upset by this guy because he's just kind of a middle of the road Democrat, you right. know? And so people don't like middle of the road. Yeah. And so I kind of got thrown in that. Are too. you a whistleblower? Am I a whistleblower? <laughs> yes. Oh yeah. Fuck yeah. If it gets me ratings. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to whistle. <laughs> so yeah, people well, got pissed off because well, they got pissed off about that. And then the next podcast I have, I have Ashley Watt on who's ranch. She's in a beef with Chevron on her ranch and people felt like, I shouldn't be giving her an audience because it's anti the industry. It's anti Chevron. And I just think people should have the right to tell their story. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm not against Chevron. This isn't, I'm not disparaging Chevron. None of us are here, but Mm. at the end of the day, if you have to be in an industry and I'm not talking about you, Chuck, I'm talking about all of EFT and all the people that have got a problem with it. If you cannot be objective about what we are and who we are and what we do, then you're probably just, if you could just have eyes of love for it, which is great. I, we love it. Energy strong, energy proud. Scream it from the, from the top of the buildings. You can't be objective about it. You kind of just sound stupid and obtuse to me. Yeah. Well, you know, 
I've been talking to some young people, just kind of, you know, non-energy people. Hey, what's the deal with the energy business? And I thought the story I was going to get was, well, Greta told us you were, you know, climate change and you're polluting the earth and all that. There are equal parts to the problem with the energy business, bad acts by energy companies historically. And I mean, if you think about it, I mean... There was climate change research that been covered up. I mean, we had the recent brouhaha with the Exxon lobbyist who was out recorded talking. I mean, the Exxon Valdez, BP blowing up the Gulf of Mexico and stuff. So there is some degree of legitimacy that we haven't been the best actors in the world, and we sure as hell haven't been empathetic and apologetic about it. And I think that's really important. I mean, you you look back at history um, of all these things. And when stuff goes wrong, generally the people that come out stronger, are the people that take ownership of it, right. apologize for it, tell how they're going to get better. That's a key point that I think people miss out on is you need to say, Hey, this is what I'm doing to go get help. And then that's, that's where people come back stronger. And so that's, so the, so I think it's fair to have, Ashley, come on and talk about what Chevron's doing. If Chevron wanted to come on my podcast, say, okay, here's what we're doing out on your ranch. Here's how we're going to make it better and all that. I think that furthers the discussion way better than sitting around just trash talking online. So, or pretending it didn't happen. Like, is that what the alternative should have been? Like, you're not supposed to talk about the bad things in the industry because it makes us look bad. Well, they're happening anyway. So, yeah. maybe we should be talking about it so it can get fixed. I don't know, dude. I, so I, here's my thing. If you're going to sit from an ivory tower and just be like, hey, there's nothing wrong with that industry, you're it's stupid. I'm with you. Take accountability. Just say, hey, listen, yeah, we got our problems. But there's not as many problems as the world might think. Like, you know, environmentalists, like, you know, fossil fuels were the worst thing that's ever happened to the, the, to the continent or continent to the world in uh, the universe of all time. It's just, it's that is obtuse to me, right? However... If you, we can just like anything, if you could literally apply this to anything in life, you just take accountability and you're like, hey, listen, yeah, we're probably not the greatest. We probably have done some bad, but this is how we want to address it. And we might even not even address it right away, but we're going to eventually address it. And this is how we're going to do it. You give it a voice. It suddenly everybody kind of just calms down. So I don't know. I, I, I'm a big believer. And also... I hate EFT. I'm not, I don't have the same, <laughs> I don't have the same love for EFT that you have, Chuck. Um, I think they're, well, I shouldn't say not they're all. I've met Let, some really Let's cool be people. really clear. This is Yusuf now talking <laughs> in the podcast. This, yeah, would, this, not is, yeah, this would not be Chuck. I can't afford the notifications. <laughs> uh, okay. This is definitely Yusuf oil money. Donnie, you're part of this now. Uh, okay. I'm this down is, with the ship. Yep. <laughs> Donnie's, Donnie's going down with the Titanic right now. Yeah, this is. It was a it was a pleasure. What was the, what did the captain say? It was a pleasure playing with you boys. That's that's Donnie right now. Great. Uh, and I'm just gonna I'm the captain that's uh, refusing to to leave the ship. <laughs> Chuck is the guy who threw away the children and the women because he wanted to get on the boat. So that's who Chuck is uh, right now. <laughs> no no no, I'm not gonna even do Chuck dirty like that. Uh, no, I don't have the same. Uh, I I would say uh, love for EFT probably because. I'm not as involved. I probably don't know as many people as you do. Uh, the people that I have met and I have talked to, genuinely cool people. I mean, that's that's what I'll say to that. But I'm just, I, I just can't get down with. So, and another thing, I hate how you guys are anonymous. Okay, mm. I'm calling you out again, EFT. You got a problem with me? You got a problem with Chuck? You got a problem with anybody? Just say who you are. Okay, that's it. Chuck, thoughts. Senator, I can neither confirm nor deny any said allegations at this moment on the advice of counsel. On the advice of counsel. And his counsel is Donnie just waving his hands off, just, just yelling Stop. the time out. Please, I'm so sorry, Chuck. You know what's so funny is Donnie snuck behind you and he turned the uh, stop button on. We're not even recording right now as we speak. But it was interesting. So I had the Montrose Lane guys on and Mark Mills on, and we kind of talked about advocacy for energy and there definitely has to be trust between the general public, you know, people that only care about energy when they can't get gasoline for their car or the lights go out at the house. There's got it. We've got to build an, a, an element of trust there. And I think another interesting thing that came up when talking with the Montrose Lane guys is 
if you think about it in terms of conservative and liberal type politics, conservatives are generally about the individual and liberals are generally about the collective, you know? And quite frankly, the collective argument is a lot of times easier to sell. So Greta saying the whole planet is going to be destroyed is an easier sell than, hey, we as individuals here are better off because we have hydrocarbons, we've raised our standard of living, there are issues here, and the like. And I think one of the suggestions that the Montrose Lane guys had is we need to create a collective narrative for why hydrocarbons are good. And we probably haven't done a very good job of that. We're not good at that, though, Chuck. Like, honestly, we're not good at that. Like, I think that's another thing. It's it's a very big mean girl circle. Like, you can't sit with us. If you're a part of energy, you're with us. If you're not, you're against us. There's no middle ground, it feels like. And I think that's a that's a narrative that a lot of the energy, you know, iconoclasts have started or have, have, have from inception to now even. There's a lot of people, if... um. You look at it, right? I think the energy tech night that Digital Wildcatters threw, that's a really, really good example that there's a shift coming right now. But it's its still very, very, we're at the beginning of the shift. People can talk from all sorts of the, you know, energy business, fintech, uh, you know, service companies, all the way to ex- exploration guys. They can all get together and they can have a serious discussion. They can say, hey, listen, let's be objective about this. But if you look at it from inception, that wasn't the, the case. It was a very insulated industry. Yeah. And, and I've made this point before, so I won't belabor it. But a lot of times the industry ran counter cyclical to the greater GDP of the country. Yeah. So in effect, high oil prices were a tax and would send the economy into a recession and then, you know, vice versa, when the GDP and the company country's growing and doing well, a lot of times we were in the ditch. Mm-hmm. So it caused a lot of animosity between our industry and kind of the rest of the country, if you will, because of that. And I, I think, you know, that's, think kind of the 70s and the 80s, and it built up a lot of this divide where we just got really, really shitty at making our case. Because yeah. if you think about it, I mean, we sell a commodity, we don't have to market it, right? It's not like we're Nike and we got to market better than Adidas or something. So we right. got to put a good spin on it. It's like, it's a freaking barrel, dude. Yeah, people need Take it. Take it or yeah, leave here, it. Here's a barrel. Yeah. You want it? No, it's priced worldwide on, you know, barrels wherever. So I think, I think that's probably part of it too. Are you an oil man, Chuck? Would you consider yourself an oil man? I do. Then I do. why do you drive an electric car? <laughs> oh, uh, the hard I hitting. have two cars, in fairness to me. I yeah, have an does, H2. Oh, yeah, balances it out for sure. With I, the I have an H2. And uh, in in Texas, driving a driving a Tesla is natural gas powered, right? It's powered by electricity. Where do I get my electricity from? Natural gas. Now, okay, some solar, some wind, but who's paying you at ERCOT right now? <laughs> <laughs> Follow the money. Send so ERCOT. Send the check. Now, did I ever tell you? You know, when we went through that whole Burcott thing, yeah, you're, we your literally sent all that Burcott swagware to every member of the board. Oh no, God, I didn't know that. I know about your dad being the legend oh, the with the, guy, with the yeah. Tesla, yeah. Uh, the the solar panels, the Tesla Dude, battery. Yeah, so we uh, we sent boxes full of Burcott coffee mugs and T-shirts and stickers wow. to each member of the board. And uh, you're, you're such a and, shit starter. Oh, yeah. Well, and they're like, I don't know, 15 of them or however many are on the board. One person wrote a thank you note back <laughs> and, we, and we figured out we screwed up and got the wrong address. It was uh, somebody by the same random person. Like, thank you so well, much this for this. Great. This will Tell keep me warm while my, while my electricity's <laughs> out. Exactly. So, okay. All right. So you are an oil man. So let's, I, so, I know a so lot of I'm, people. I'm an oil man and I'm a big tent guy. And so I always, mm-hmm. I always think the path to building a bigger coalition is bigger tents, a lot of empathy, a lot of acceptance, yeah. a lot of talking about the positive. You know what? All jokes aside, I always like to just crap on you because it's just, frankly, it's easy. Look at yeah, you, Chuck. Exactly. I mean, uh, I'm not going to talk about your shorts and what I've mentioned earlier, but you know, you're just, you're a genuine guy. It's very hard to... You know, we were talking about it. I wasn't at Energy Tech Night because I had uh, a previous engagement that I wasn't uh, allowed to cancel on. But uh, they told me kind of how you kind of rolled in and reserved parking spot. You took up a booth for yourself and stuff like that. And I'm just like, you know what? Anybody could 
anybody. I don't know a single person other than you that could pull that off. And you're just going to be like, that's ah, just Chuck being Chuck. Well, just Chuck. Well, well it, you know, I've told you the Krusty the Clown story, haven't I? You know, no, Krusty the Clown on Simpsons. You know who that's based on in real life? You? No, David Letterman. Oh, really? All the original Simpsons writers. I mean, remember Conan O'Brien was an original Simpsons writer. They all used to write for Letterman, and they all hated Letterman. So they made Krusty the Clown this pompous ass smoking <laughs> the cigar <laughs> and uh, and all that. So I love that that's my persona around digital wildcatters. You I'm know Krusty what? the Clown. You are the Krusty the exactly. Clown. You're just yep. you're Krusty and love you're it. a clown. Krusty and that's, a clown. That's and and who is uh, Donnie is sideshow Bob. Um, <laughs> who am I? I'm, I'm Homer Simpson. Well, yeah. dope. Yeah, I'm Homer Simpson. I'm sure. definitely Homer Simpson. Don't Here. have a cow, man. Yeah, no. Collins. Uh, Colin is who's Bart? the shortest I mean, person? I, right, I had Bart. A feeling Bart was Bart, yeah. Bart short. Bart yeah. short. Bart kind of obnoxious. But, like, can yeah. we? I, I know. I hate to do this. I Jake don't is Madge. <laughs> oh, Marge, yeah, Jake. Yeah. Sorry, Marge. Mar yeah. Marge. Jake's Marge. <laughs> Madge is the the sister that's always smoking. Oh yeah, there we go. But if we have to talk about short kings. I really I want to loop in my co-host because Colin is the true originator of Short Kings. But Donnie, you know, yesterday we had a we had a guest on and uh, she was uh, a female and she was she claimed to be five, seven. And I believed her and she was wearing heels. Right. And Donnie was like, I'm six foot. And it was extremely close when they were walking next to each other. <laughs> so close that I just called them right out of the podcast. And I said, Donnie, you are not six foot. He did. And he yesterday pierced my night, soul with the way he looked at me. About yeah, I just this. looked him straight in the eyes. And <laughs> he then sucked all the air out of the room. And yesterday said, night, right before I was about to fall asleep. You know that moment when you're looking at your phone, you're like, ah, it's too much. All right, I'm about to fall asleep. I just, a thought popped into my head and it was, you know, Donnie really isn't six foot. <laughs> and I texted him. And I mean, it was literally like my eyes were like half closed. I was asleep. And I was like, hey, Donnie, I was just want to let you know the last thought before, you know, I'm about to go into a deep slumber is you're not six foot. And I woke up around 2 a.m. My son obviously woke me up, one and a half year old. And I see these text messages and it's it's Donnie and Stephanie. Telling Spiraling. Me essentially. Yeah, they, it was. It was a, it was a spiral of, of shame. And he measured himself, and he is five ten. Yep, five ten. A little bit, a little bit more than five ten, but I'm just going to call it five ten for for simplicity's sake. That's exactly what somebody who's five nine and a half would say. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I replied, nine and a quarter. I replied to that text, and I said, "Dude, I'm not the kind of guy who lies about his height. Like I've been six foot tall since I was 16 years old. Nothing's changed. I'm going to go get a tape measure right now and prove it." And I just crushed my own soul with that move i should just oh man we're alone. breaking we, we've been sitting around for 48 hours what are we going to talk about what news are we going to break <laughs> holy shit i didn't know we were going to go this deep yeah, it got shorter. deep man it got deep we're breaking news right now is there anything else you want to break uh about you chuck uh, how tall are you see. chuck chuck's tall. I, I'm, I'm i'm above six feet i don't think i hit six one but i'm above six feet no you're above six one I don't oh, think so you so. give him you you give him extra inches. You cut me down because he feels like he's taller than that. <laughs> you feel like you're like you I have. Feel like I have gravitas, Donnie. Mm. Yeah, you. He has a general uh, persona. He's got what is they call? What do they call? Drip swagger. Is that is that what you kids say? Zhuzh, I, I don't know. I'm not one of the kids. I'm older than you. How old are you? 35. Oh my god, he's old. Chuck, how old are you? <laughs> I'm 52. Oh my god, what well, you're a pretty young looking 52 year old. I always thought you're like 65, 70. Somebody on. <laughs> I forget who it was. Gonads and Strife, I think, on Twitter one time tweeted out, Chuck drink, dresses like an angsty 90s teen. <laughs> so, yeah, kind of gives me my young vibe. Okay, so let's talk about this for a second. What's your whole you, your You whole are stick. an angsty 90s teen. Yeah, you're yeah. a whole You even kind of sound like a, like a 90s surfer from a movie. Like <laughs> there the way we go. That you, yeah. What's your whole stick is that you like literally you dress like a a, a five year old. Yeah. So what's 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 up with that? Why do you now, do that? Okay. In fairness, and 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 in seriousness, if you came here for fairness, you came to the wrong place. <laughs> fairness and seriousness. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, no. So I got into um, oil and gas private equity in March of two thousand one. Right. Okay. Think of the landscape then. You got mm -hmm. natural gas partners. You've got NCAP. You've got Quantum. You're suit and, the, and tying it. and Yeah, all okay. those guys are yeah. suit and tying it, right? And you got the Wall Street guys. So you got Apollo. I think Riverstone had just popped up. But you had suit and tie Arama. 
you have Enron just about dying, and Enron had kind of gone casual, corporate casual, but they died. And if you think about it, in private equity, you don't have to be the most popular person. You just need to have a niche that you own. And so do you know what a Q score is? Have you no, ever heard of it? No, so we were no. a Nielsen family like way back in the day, back in the 80s, like when you wrote down stuff and you mailed it in to people. Um, I didn't write down everything I watched on cable TV because mom would read it before we <laughs> sent it in. But, but we learned about the term Q score. And what a Q score is, is with the modifier, do you like such and such? If the answer is yes, it's how strongly you feel about it. And so you guys are way too young to remember, but there was a TV show called Cagney and Lacey that was on TV for like 12 years. It was always 78th in the rating, and this was back when there were only three networks. But So not many people liked it, but the people that liked it loved it. So if an advertiser advertised soap, those that soap would triple in sales the day after being on Cagney and Lacey. So I thought in private equity and oil and gas, I needed a high Q score, right? Because at the end of the day, I needed about 10 management teams to say, Chuck's my guy. I yeah. only do deals with Chuck. And so if I was going to throw on a suit and a tie, I mean, I'm Ken Hirsch light, I'm Marty Phillips light, I'm Gary Peterson light, you know, tick on down the lit, Will Van Lowe light. What really... What would cause a Q score? What would cause somebody to go, man, that's the guy I love. But if you run around in ripped jeans and a hoodie, it was like, holy crap. Okay, this guy's different. Because I didn't have to have every management team like me. I just had to have this, this small group. And, you know, there were also some elements there of being early on with Kane. We had this you know, headquarters out in Los Angeles. And so there was kind of this mystery on this on this mothership in Los Angeles. And I'm like, well, how bad can they be if they let me dress like this, right. you know, and all. And so part of it was by design. I'm not saying I'm not a goof head like this cause I am, but part of it was by design. It was a defined business strategy for us to go out and recruit, you know, 10 to 15 management teams so we could build a business. But at that time and that era, wasn't it a little bit, uh, wasn't it frowned upon? Like, weren't, weren't you afraid or maybe even weren't wasn't Kane afraid that you weren't going to be taken seriously dressing like, you know, a uh, uh, angsty teenager. <laughs> I was like more afraid of Kane than the rest of the industry. But yes, yeah, fair fair enough. No, I mean there, there definitely was because the reason I say that is because I've been in meetings even now, right? And this day and age, I've been in meetings now where I have been a lot more casual, and I'm usually suit and tied up, uh, right? But now I'm like kind of I'm I'm in the line between casual and there have been times where I do go in a polo shirt and I go to a place where it's generally bankers and lawyers and stuff like that. And you could tell that they're a little bit like, what the hell is he wearing? Yeah. So they're not going to say it. There's, but they're there's, thinking it. there's definitely a divide between what I'll call the industry. And let's categorize those as management teams you're going to invest in a&D guys, you're going to buy and sell stuff from and all that. And then clearly your investors, you know, so your LPs. Yeah, I was really careful in LP world to not show up at a fundraising meeting in a hoodie. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I suit and tied uh, every investor meeting I had. And in terms of fundraising, I wrote a handwritten note to every investor I ever met with saying, thank you so much for taking the time with me. So that was a that was a real point because it's 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 harder to unwind the perception of an investor than it is in the industry, hmm. you know, because yeah. in the industry, if I'm recruiting a management team, we're going to spend a lot of time together in that process because it's almost like dating before you get married, right? So even if even if somebody thinks I'm a goofhead wearing a hoodie, I'm actually not that stupid, you know, so I can hold my own over dinner and the right. like and sure. and all that. But no, you're right. In the investor world, I was really careful there. That's probably a smart move. Speaking of marry or dating before marriage, is Chuck Yates single? <laughs> I am single. Wow. I am single. Okay, so are you are you on the market? Are you, you ready to mingle? Is the yeah, that's, I guess that's the next question. They're they're both winking at me as they say this. You're <laughs> married and you're married. Stop that! No, I'm kidding. <laughs> the 
No, but uh, yeah, no. So I am single. I'm not seeing anyone. My dating life has become the total fascination of my 15 year old daughter, Sarah. Right. We talk about it all the time. Dad, are you dating anyone? Dad, I need to know. Is and, that the uh, more spunky one? The one with yeah, the, yeah, Sarah, yeah. Sarah's the one I always joke is going to run the world. Right, right, yep. right. Whether for good or for evil, we don't know that yet. She'll but, just have control over it. Yes, it exactly. Well, all big. She. So I said this the other day in a speech, and we were driving along, and y'all know I'm friends with the singer Jewel, and and all. And so Life we're driving points. along, and yeah, and Sarah's like, "Hey, Dad, did you and Jewel ever date?" I was like, no, sweetie. And Sarah goes, oh, so you screwed that one up too. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. Oh, it gets even better. And then I'm like, well, you know, Jules, she likes her swaggy, macho athletes. And uh, Sarah goes, oh, dad, so your Peloton just doesn't match up. Jeez, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> wow. Brutal. Ouch. Straight for 15 the 15 year old is coming straight for your throne. Oh, she's, yeah. Well, she's, at least, you know what? It's great that you have that relationship with your, with your sure. kids that you can have that kind of, you know, open and honest kind of uh, discussion. <laughs> Whether you like it or not. Whether yeah. you right. like it or not. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the way it is, man. The world is, the world no, is it's, definitely it's, it's tough out there dating. I, I mean, can imagine this. Well, I was going to make a joke, but all in all seriousness, I was going to say <laughs> at your age, but actually, 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 age. actually at your age. age. Uh, I mean, how do you find somebody like, you know, how do you how do you go about that? And then also, I got to ask, because I remember the first time me and you talked, I, I think I asked you this. I'm like, how are you rich? I was very I was very confused. I was like, how are you? How are you? Well, wealthier. I, I don't know if everybody knows that. If I'm doxing you right now, but yeah, I think everybody <laughs> well, knows. No, no, the, Ye the Yates family balance sheet, if you look at it, is if you sit there and you go, all these private equity investments I have at Kane, if they're worth what the, the markings are, then yeah, I am rich. You know, it's pretty good and all that. If they're worth zero, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. You know, I can kind of, I can kind of manage to get by. If Kane calls all the capital that they can under these funds and it goes to zero, I'm broke. I'm like, hey, Yusuf, can I be BD guy over at, uh, <laughs> at Atlas? You know, hey, hey, Donnie, you know, I got nothing can for you help me out? <laughs> Need an assistant? Right. So, yeah. So it, it it's funny when you say rich. There's a big difference between rich, rich yeah. and liquidity. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Put, okay. That's, let's put it that way. That's absolutely fair. That's absolutely fair. But how do you but kind start, of starting August first? I'm going to be poor. I've I've decided that I'm going to go ahead and start really scaling back, counting pennies. Yeah, I got yelled at by uh, my guy the other day. Uh oh, oh really? Spending too much money. So yes. So what do you get? How how does what does spending less money in Chuck Yates's world look like? Uh, yeah, I'd be fascinated by that. <laughs> that um, no, that's a good, you know what it no is? No $20,000 bottles of wine? You know what's interesting about it is you sit there and you think through, it's like, you think it's big, huge purchases that cause you to spend a lot of money. It's the little things that always add up. You're, and it just, God, it just it freaking is, adds up, it right? It adds up. Like, you, you look, this is so obnoxious. Fuck, man. Oh, well. Anyway, no, like, like you know, I have a wine locker and uh, over kind of right by West U, and you know, and you, you look up and that's five hundred bucks a month, right? Yeah. And you know, yeah. all right, six grand a year, and you just tick through all of those little things like that that you look up and go, man, that's a freaking high burn rate. Right. You a country club guy? I am not. They wouldn't let you in anyway. Yeah. Why would, why would I want to join a club that would have me as a member? Right. <laughs> well, another thing about you, Chuck, though, that I've observed is that you're extremely generous. So, like, if you're with people, you're going to treat them, and I'm sure that adds up pretty quick too. So that's got to be it's going to be hard. I only treat back. you because I like you. I <laughs> make you, I'll take you. I'll make use of buy. I was going to say, I'm like, uh, this guy's never been. No, I'm absolutely joking. The first time he would not let me. Usually, I, it's it kind of just an automatic. I'm going to pay this guy. Well, if you you're the old me. guy, that's what you have to no, do. The no. old guy always has to pay. Now I literally have when to. When you get to be the old guy, you'll have to pay. No, no, no. Now I literally actually have to convince the 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 waiter or waitress, whatever. I have to convince them that I'm going to tip them more than Chuck. <laughs> and yeah, that is my of, line. Hey, that guy doesn't tip very well. Oh, and I'm like, no, no, I'm going to tip you more than he will. And uh, no, Chuck is a very generous guy. Chuck is a very generous guy. He was a gracious, gracious host. I actually went to his... Uh, I, which I thought was going to be a podunk town of Richmond, Texas, which is actually a very charming place. I love it. Yeah, I was surprised by Richmond as well. Yeah, Pretty it's cool. a very, very charming. Cool spot. Charming spot. I, I really, when I thought of Richmond, Texas, I thought it was going to be like Richmond, like right next to West U, right? Because I remember you mentioning that you lived, you lived in West U at one point, right? Yeah. 
Where yeah. did you live in Westview? Give yeah. me the streets. So, so, you don't live there anymore, do you? Uh, no, but the ex-wife and the kids do. So don't tell me. Um, <laughs> it's, right around, it's right around the corner from your new place. Really? Yeah. Oh, shit. Really? Oh, okay. Okay, we'll, we'll, I mean, t- we'll I don't talk about yeah, it. Any huge that. mystery. We'll, it was- we could talk about it off air because, yeah, the new spot is literally, it's you. I've, I've showed you, it is hard corner. It is on main and main. It's kind of annoying because there's always people walking in front of the house, but it's kind of cool, actually, too. Yeah, no, people so, watching. so, people so, watching, from, yeah. so from your house, you would walk away from the commerce center that you're mm-hmm. near. Uh, so you'd walk down that street, you'd go Wake two blocks, take a left. Okay. All right. And then you'd go down a block and a half or two blocks. Oh, you're in the big houses. You're right. at, you're no, at the, the ex-wife's houses. in the big houses. Big houses. Okay. <laughs> you know what? I'm not going to, you know what? We're in the big houses too now, Chuck. Okay. We were, you, we used to not be. Now we're in the big houses too. We're yeah. in the big leagues. Actually, I don't I know. I guess I'm in the big house in Richmond, Texas. You know, big, you are in the big, big, house big, 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 big fish, small pond, man. So what made you moved out to, I, I'm, I'm not going to call it Podunk, but it really isn't. I love Richmond, okay, Texas. So I grew up out there. Okay. So, um, oh, okay, gotcha. And th- there's family stuff out there. So great-grandfather was the only doctor out there for years. And then my grandfather actually started the hospital out there. Wow. Um, before he then moved in and started the radiology department at St. Joseph Hospital downtown. And right so, on. Okay. So my dad goes to Southwestern Med School in Dallas, moves back uh, into Houston. I'm going into kindergarten. Dad wants to move back to Richmond Rosenberg because he grew up out there. Mom grew up in West University. So mom's like, I want to live in West University. Sure. So dad cuts the deal with mom about, okay, here's how this is going to go down. Chuck will go interview at St. John's. And if Chuck gets into St. John's, we'll live in West University. If he doesn't, we'll move out to Richmond Rosenberg. So anyway, the uh, so mom drives me over to the interview at St. John's. Supposedly, I throw a fit. <laughs> the lady has to come out to the car to interview me. Oh I won't go God. in. And anyway, this lady interviews, and my mom's mortified. She's How old are you, by the way? In this? this is kindergarten. Okay, this is like right, going okay, into kindergarten. What's that? Good. Five, yeah. six. Like so your that. dad was really counting on you screwing this interview. Like he had mom, a lot of eggs in this basket. Mom to this day accuses dad of just doping me up on syrup <laughs> <laughs> that morning. How many waffles did your dad give you? But it's really funny. So this lady interviews me out in the car. My mom's mortified. She's like, "Is there any chance I can bring him back for another interview? Give him a second chance?" The lady's response was, "No, I don't think that'll be necessary. He's very ordinary." Oh wow! Yeah, what an drop, asshole! Drop she was ordinary. well. First of all, she was way off. You're the Holy farthest thing from ordinary I've ever met. Okay, so this is why I have to ask you. This is why yep. you got me interested. So I just found out about St. John's and what it like. What yep. a big deal it is, right? Oh, so, so it's still a thing. It's still a thing. So we've oh, yeah. already applied. Half a century later. We, we've we're we're applying my son there. Who yep. Chuck has Pull actually it. met my son. And I literally. I, so we were like, say everybody's like, got to go to St. John's. You got to go to St. John's. And I'm like, so we apply. We do this. So I'm like, I don't want him going until after Westview Elementary because I want him to go to Westview Elementary. But they're like, no, you got to start after kindergarten because otherwise he's just not going to get into St. It's a hard, it's a harder uh, entry point at junior high and then high school. And there's so if you can get if you can get him in in kindergarten. So I we're we're very very confident that he's going to get in, but we're he's going to another private school right now. That's because he's only a year and a half. They don't accept, so he's going to another private school right now. And the tuition, Chuck, it, it, you know how upsetting it is. <laughs> how, like, I'm, you don't want to know why. If he was learning something, the kid can't talk yet. Okay, they interviewed him, and they're just like they were asking him questions, like he can talk. And I'm yeah. just like, what? dude, still craps in his pants. And I'm like, yeah, he's still <laughs> shit in his pants. I'm like, yeah. what are you asking him? Yeah. And then they asked. That'll me, be thirty five thousand dollars a year, please. Right. Yeah. Oh my god. He's great yeah. with crayons. It's, no, it's more kid. expensive than than my university was, and I'm like, god, oh I no. Just, so I don't so get I've it. got I've got three kiddos, so I'm cutting the college check, private school check, uh, for the high school, and then the the one in junior high. I'm paying property taxes in Richmond, Texas, where none of my kids go to school, <laughs> as well as I'm paying property taxes on the ex-wife's house. 
Oh, I and, know how property and, taxes are in West yes, U. And none, That's of, a, and, and none of my uh, kids are going to the public schools. So, yeah, Jeez. I'm doing everything I can for education. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I, I just don't get it. So I'm, I'm still I'm a product of public school. Uh, despite I am what, too. Yeah, Same despite here. what everybody might think, I'm actually pretty. I was pretty intelligent. I went to university on on mostly scholarship. I, I was it just. I don't get so from now. I grew up in Spring, Texas, right? So it's not a. There's not as much of a concept of of pro, pro, private versus public school, right? Yeah. So coming to here, living in Westview now, it's a huge thing. It's like almost a talking point for people, and that's one thing I, I just I hate that about Westview. Everybody just did that ever bug you? Everybody's just kind of pompous about it. I was I was more a West U guy than I was a River Oaks guy. I, I would not have fit no. in in River Oaks and all that. West U felt more down to earth, but I, I get what you mean but about the vibe a little bit. I feel like most of the West U people that I know, if they could live in River Oaks, they would. River Oaks is more expensive. Right. And the problem is, is that like everybody's just, everybody in West U, if they could, they would live in River Oaks, in my opinion. I would never live. My dad lives in River. I hate river i well yeah. i don't hate river Oaks. it's just not for me where he is in his life it's great yeah but for me and having a young kid growing up in river oaks oh my god no way yeah now you know it's interesting because i had this discussion with my dad you know when when the kids are young i went to the public schools got to send them to private schools and the like what I think is different, and I, you know me, I always hate to say things are different because they're generally always the same because they're cycles, but I do think what is different is if you go back, and this is more so for me than y'all because y'all are younger, but when you go back kind of to when I was going through school, in effect, if you were female, you had, and this is wrong. I'm not saying this was right, uh, but when you were female, Back when I was a kid, you had three job opportunities. You could be a teacher, you could be an assistant of some sort, or you could be a nurse. Mm -hmm. I mean that, and and so half of the population, uh, female Americans, in effect, subsidized cheap education because literally the smartest and brightest people, because women are so much smarter than They're us, so much right? smarter than we are. Yeah, <laughs> they were teachers, and so the public schools, in effect, had this free labor if right. you will and so the public schools were really really good and then with when the the women's movement hit and women could be lawyers bankers whatever they wanted to be yeah. entrepreneurs the the talent that was teaching in the public schools sucked out and so it it it, it did become a necessity and i'm not anti-public schools i don't mean that mean that in any oh no way, neither am form, i but but, I know what you mean. but but yeah no that necessitated certain pockets where you needed private schools versus public. But this is what kind of annoys me as well, is that my dad would never in a million years have sent me to private school. I, even if I wanted to go to private school, he wouldn't have sent me. He was a big believer in the public education is what you need. Now, his grandson, my son, he's just like, hey, Yusuf, are you doing whatever it takes to get him into yeah. St. John's or whatever <laughs> school he's going to go to? And I'm just like, wait, what about me? And he's just like, he's like, who cares about you? He's like, he's like, you'll be all right. He's like, I want him to be smart. He's just like, yeah. he's like, I've already failed on you. He's right. just like, now he's like, my grandson is is my is my next uh uh is my next step. So yeah. Well, and 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 I don't. So if you think about what happened, kind of over the last fifty years in public schools, and and a lot of this stuff was good. So I'm not throwing a stone and saying it was bad, but a lot of things had to do with special education for everyone, um, you know, in terms of really working on the remedial levels to bring up. And I definitely think the heart was in the right place doing it. But quite frankly, society is driven by the top 5%, and you need to push and educate the top 5% to the max to drive society forward. And the public schools stopped doing that. Hmm. And, um, you know, I had, so the, the podcast I dropped uh, yesterday, I had um, David Hayes of NGP on, and he played for Wayne Graham, the legendary Rice University baseball coach. And that was a big Wayne Graham thing is, your superstars drive the team. Mm -hmm. So your lowest scrub, you don't have to get in that guy or gal's face and push them because they're working as hard as they can just to be on the team. Your superstar is the one that can loaf. And if your superstar has an off day, you lose. 
And so always pushing the top. And that's what I think the public schools stopped doing was pushing the top for good reasons. I'm not, I'm, trust me, I'm not saying that. So I got to ask a question yeah. then, because then let's say, you know, knock on wood, yourself and, I, and myself, we were in a position where we can be put in a position where we can afford a higher education or a better education if that's what we choose to want, right? There's a lot of people in positions that aren't in that same position as us that right. are, are able to, they might be way smarter than us, right? Yeah. Way smarter than us. And they'll never have the same opportunity. So yep. they'll never be able to make, get into that 5%. So where does, where do we kind of just have that cutoff to say that, Hey, listen, just because somebody doesn't have the same, you know, um, you know, financial means to go do something, we just have to stop them. Yeah. And I think that's the greatest travesty in America right now, because when you talk about public education, Let's break that down. Should we as a society financially support the education of all the youth to make America better? I think the answer to that is clearly yes. Right. Unfortunately, I think when you say public education, you're talking about a delivery mechanism of that education that hadn't changed in 150 years, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, you have a school in your neighborhood you have to go to. If you want to go two miles away or five miles away to the other school, you can't do it. Got to move. So, we're yeah, we're stuck into a delivery mechanism that unfortunately is synonymous with public education. Right. And I don't think it really is. So, yeah, I'd be a big fan. I don't know. the. I haven't studied the policy well enough to have a thought out position. But, boy, you could you could talk me into, hey, mom, here's a voucher. You send your kid anywhere you want or you know, hey, if you don't like this, here are online programs, et cetera. Because you're right. I mean, you, you are exactly, that is the biggest travesty in the world is that you have to go to the school, you know, that's within half a mile of your house, even if it totally sucks. Yeah. yeah. I think that, I think that's the worst thing we do as Americans. Well, you also hear a lot about in public schools, like it's pretty much just geared towards you're either good at sports or you're smart. And if you're nowhere, if you're not either, but you're good at something else, no one gives a shit. You know, you could be good at coloring all you want. Nobody cares about yeah. that. Luckily, you you were sporty and smart, so you could go either direction. I was looking right at you, sporty. sporty. Uh, <laughs> but I was kind of one of those middle of the road kids. Where like, you know, I'm I was smart enough to to keep my head above water, and I was athletic enough to be on the team. But I wasn't a rising star of either one. I think I, there was just no nurturing of really any other kind of direction uh, you could go in. And I hear you hear about that a lot. Like when everyone's judged on how good they can climb a tree or whatever, uh, you know, not everybody can climb a tree. So like, what right. the hell are those kids doing? Yeah, there's. So I mean, there's absolutely no reason why a 12 year old who's gifted at welding shouldn't be taking welding classes. Right. I mean, there is a whole thing on vocational education that that makes a lot of sense for us to be doing. And unfortunately, we're stuck in the delivery me mechanism. That we've been talking about the right. same thing we did 150 years ago. Right? Mm. Mm. All right, I'm going to change the topic real quick. Yeah, and I know you're not going to answer this. Okay. I already know you're not going to answer this, but I'm going to ask anyways, hoping that you answer. Who do you dislike the most on Twitter? <laughs> Who do I dislike? EFT <laughs> specifically. <laughs> Who do I dislike? Come the on. Because I was going to ask who you like the most. Colin. Frack slap. What a, okay, what well, a softball. That's, that's, that's right there. That was yeah, a given. No, I mean. Come on, give yeah, me something that's good. No, I'm not going to give a name. Don't, oh, no, I'm not going to give a name. I'm going to be a wussy. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a chicken out. Just like what about you thought you? I was going to do. Uh, let's see. Who do I know? We'll like? be here all day. Right. Yeah, yeah, honestly, just, I don't really don't like. He can't even think of a name. He's just uh, like, you know, the thing is, is I don't like any of them until I get to know them, and as soon as I get to know them, I love them. Right. That's pretty much it for, for me. It is the anonymous I, thing, dude. And, that's and, what the problem. And is. I will say this too: I have been greatly surprised by how many times someone sends out. A negative tweet, but in a direct message, I get hated. I cross the line. I was just trying to be funny. Oh, really? So I get that a lot. Yeah. And so I'm t I'm always totally cool with with that. You know, I mean, there's really only been one or two people that you're going back and forth online with, and that I know that don't either call or send a text saying, "Hey, we're just joking online, right?" <laughs> you know, we're just yeah. going back and forth. And you know, you know, so there have been a couple of people that have actually been mad going back and forth online with me that have unfollowed me and yeah. stuff. So does that hurt your feelings at all? 
No, you just kind of you. What it is is you go. I thought we were like friends, right? So if we're really having a problem, wouldn't we like talk? Yeah. Take off, it off of Twitter. Wouldn't we take it offline? But whatever. I do that a lot when it when there's a back and forth. I'll be thinking, okay, like I have a pretty decent EQ. I'm kidding, and it feels like they're kidding. But if I were to just reread it, if someone printed this out and say, "Hey, are these people fighting?" I, yeah, they probably are. Like these people might not like each other. Yeah. But uh, it's really hard to tell. Anytime it's written or not face to face, you never know how something's coming across. Yeah. Especially characters is tough. Exactly. But especially when you're talking to like somebody whose profile picture is a squirrel holding an <laughs> oil barrel or whatever, you know what right. I mean? Like such, it's even harder to communicate such stupidity effectively. But um <laughs> but for the most part, honestly, like I'm not even I'm not like phoning this in, but I have had more positive interactions on EFT than negative. There's just a few standouts that are just kind of like, what is this? Like this guy needs to get a real job or find something else to do. I would I would say even vastly more positive oh, yeah. than, than and honestly this podcast yeah. wouldn't exist if it wasn't for eft so we have to give some credit yeah and honestly i i would never have i, I slid in this guy's dms yeah and i talked to him about it and i was just like hey man he posted something that was so funny it was just the funniest video of all yeah time. i wanted to know how this happened so well, i don't know you probably don't remember it, but i made a video a meme about uh directional drillers uh when when someone accuses them of um I'm just fixing mine, by the way. I'm not correcting your mic. I think Chuck thinks I'm sending him signals about microphone etiquette. It was really Alex just, Jones. It was, that's who it was. I, yeah. Alex Jones I, is going I play off. with my own mic my own way. Okay, just good. There's <laughs> a deeper metaphor there. Yeah. It was uh, it was an Alex Jones clip of him going off on this rant, and um, but it sounded exactly like a directional driller. I don't know how deep into it. Right. That stuff you got, but uh, and then he obviously has dealt with directional drills. The day so. before, we were on the <laughs> phone, and it, that's how the conversation went. And it literally was me. I was standing in our conference room, and I was screaming, I was yelling, <laughs> and they were screaming and yelling back. And literally, our CFO had to come in, and he literally had to like calm me down. And he was just like, "Listen, dude, just maybe you just walk away for a little, right? Bit, right? Because if he was just like, hey, 'Hey, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do this,' I'm like, well, I'm gonna set your house on fire.' <laughs> I would just, I would respond with a lot more than whatever he would bring. It's a whole new level. So that's where if it, it hit home. And I DM Donnie, and I was just like, "Hey, listen, I don't know who you are, I don't know where you're from, I don't know anything about you, but that really, really hit home. Yeah, and I love you. And the first time I meet you, I'm kissing you on the lips. It, he actually did say he was gonna kiss me on the lips. That was inaccurate. And did well, he go with tongue, or was it just a kiss? No, just he, a pet. He chickened out. We just hugged. I chickened okay. out. We haven't even kissed. To. We haven't kissed to this day, actually, for the record. If this was on video, I would have done it right now. But <laughs> since it's not, we'll do it another time. So maybe we'll never add video. <laughs> yeah, we'll never have video. <laughs> okay, well, screw you. I won't kiss you either. Oh my God. So uh, yeah, so that's so how we met, or that's how how we met, and then we just started kind of talking and and you know, just kind of, you know, kind of like started dating and you know. Went just, from Twitter to Instagram to real life to uh, guesting on the podcast and then and then as soon as he guessed on the podcast, I think what happened was that I was actually shout out energy crew, JP Warren, uh, great guy, shitty hair, um, <laughs> stupid yeah, that's face, bad stupid hair, face. Man. Oh my God. JP, what the hell's wrong with you? Yeah, dude? exactly. Come on, man. Get your life. Together. Very unprofessional. Very, very unprofessional. Oh, I can, that's a joke. There's a joke behind <laughs> the very unprofessional part, but, uh, you know, JP. All I can see is the little Dutch boy that put his finger in the dike. Doll, you know? that's, kind of, that's what the hair looks like. Uh, so me and him were, we, I was on his, his podcast and we were doing it at the Petroleum Club and we just, we could have talked for another like two hours and it was already like an hour and a half podcast. And I was like, man, this is, this is just natural. Like we were just talking about everything. And we talked about you, about what a dumb dumb you are, obviously, and how much I hate you and just, you know, the natural stuff. And I just, I was like, this is how, what I want my podcast to be like. I want to enjoy this. I don't want this to feel like another job. Right. And Donnie kind of had that same feeling when we did it with him. And I'm just like, Hey, listen, why don't you just, why don't you co-host? Why don't we do this thing together? Let's this thing. Let's, you know, let's just see where this takes us. Let's have some fun with it. Yeah. Yeah. Hold my hand. And let's go into the promise. So like, so, so what are you guys thinking you're going to use this for? Is this is oh, something man. fun to do? Is there ulterior business motives with it? So there's ulterior business motives for me, absolutely, because I have met some cool people. And I'm going to let Donnie answer this independently. But for me, I really want to or like to. I like growing my network, right? And I just think that there's um, – and I, I went through a phase where I was growing my network through anybody and anyone I can meet. And I've become a lot more cynical, I should say, and I don't like wasting my time going to happy hours and and stuff like I just like if I could reach a broader range that's great and if I could meet somebody individual like one-on-one I prefer that 
Uh, so I just think it really gives an avenue to meet new people in the business, out of the business, entrepreneurs, non-entrepreneurs, people who have been successful, people who have failed, right? I want to meet every sort of like of that. And then, you know, kind of how we did this really, really big deal, which was, you know, it, we did about two years ago. I would have never have done this deal. This guy just flew in from New Orleans, right? He was a capital guy. And I had just gone to like 10 happy hours that week. And it was like on a Friday afternoon. And I was just, I was like, I do not want to go to this happy hour. But I, the guy was like, hey, if you're interested, I'm I'm in downtown. He was at, I don't know which building is out, but the Morton's downtown. He's like, I'm just going to go downstairs and I'm going to grab a drink if you want to come join me. So I was like, all right, fine. So I go and I meet him there. And this guy, which I won't, I won't say anything, but he would drink gin just through the glass. And I, it's, it was an intense, just a smell. I was like, God damn it, man. He was drinking it like it was water and he had four of them. And, no way. And he was young. He was, he was looped Snoop up. dog, gin and juice. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, there was no juice though. Was it was no just, juice. it was just, just gin. gin. And I'm just sitting there and then he starts talking to me about this deal. And he's like, yeah, I think we might have a signed PSA. He's getting, you know, this, the other companies getting, you know, you know, jerked around. They might be interested in the kind of looking at it. Hey, don't you have something in that region too? And just started having a boozy conversation. And he's just like, and I'm like, just explain to me what, what's this? How much money does it make? What's the barrels? What's the, you know, what, what I started asking all these questions and every question that I asked was the perfect answer, the answer that I wanted. Right. And I was like, okay. And I'm like, how do I, how do I see this deal right now? I'm like, let's let me in on this right now. And he's just like, you got to sign a CA and you got to do this. I ran to my car, grabbed my iPad, have him log in through his probably wouldn't have done this if he was sober honestly had him log in pulled up the ca i signed it right then and there and literally as i signed it i what i did was i was like hey give me you know let's do this he didn't realize he sent it to me on that moment the next day he woke up i sent it to him I'm like listen i have a signed ca i want this information right now and he was just like all right whatever fine he sent it to me i sent him a letter of intent next four hours and we were off for the races yeah. And uh, that's how we did one of the biggest deals of 2019 for us. And it was one of those things where it was like, I would have never have gone there. I was this close to being like, I'm not going this close. And I thought he was just going to be a, another you know, guy that I was just going to meet. And that turned into one of the biggest deals that I've, I've done. And uh, so that's where I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm very open to kind of keeping that networking thing open. But yeah, my ulterior motive is business. Honestly. Yeah. I thought Probably. it was friendship with me, but you know, whatever. Our friendship is beyond this podcast, and that's what I thought, but I guess it isn't. So. Nope, you're wrong. This is a big <laughs> you're <thing>. wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, uh, I really had zero interest in being on or starting a podcast. Um, wow, I just, okay, we just you. talked about this last week that there's really there's more than enough energy podcasts. There's more than enough podcasts. Yours uh, included, by the way. <laughs> Yours included. I'm pointing at you. Um, oh, you! Oh, my podcast, not my downloads. Go ahead, yeah. So. <laughs> Give it a month. Give uh, it a month. Right. Uh, Give it a month, Chucky. <laughs> but I was doing other. Uh, I was creating content in other ways, and we don't have to go into that for another episode. Whiskey or won't he? Um, and then I was kind of just trying to think of ways to put myself out there uh, in other ways too. But then, like I said, I did. The, I guessed it on his podcast. We had a really good time, really good rapport. And then when he asked, I was being approached by another company offering to basically bankroll it um, to make a podcast for them. So I was kind of had switched gears considering doing it whenever he invited me to to come on, join this team here. So I was like, well, I mean, this one's already got some pretty cool branding, got some steam behind it. Steam was kind of fizzling out because he wasn't really doing a very good job of it. But I could see where. Okay. I mean, just take a shot. I could see where uh, I could see where my skill set could come in perfectly and, and kind of like build something really good. But as far as the idea behind it, yeah, I, I really want to build a better network, uh, get exposed to different kinds of people and, and all that stuff. Because what, the, what's something you've been surprised about now that you've done a few of them and all that, what, what was unexpected? Well, actually unexpected was how much work goes into it. Just as far as oh. putting it out there, uh, pushing it, getting people you scheduled to come on and all that. I assumed it would be much, much easier than it actually is. Yeah. No, much I, more time consuming. No, that, that, that's exactly right. I mean, getting guests to come on that, that have something to say. I mean, Oh yeah. There's a know, bunch of people that just want to come on a podcast to right. try to take from your audience or whatever. And there, there are yeah. a bunch of people too that 
hey, it'd be great to have you on the podcast. And they've done seven in the last two weeks. And so it's like, what kind of new yeah. ground can you actually yeah. cover? Right. Because at the at the end of the day, it's it's you'd like to put something out there that's new, fresh, you know. So kind of like what we're doing here right now, right? Obviously, nobody's ever done this a collab episode with uh, Nimble Fatty and uh, the Oil Money team. So wait, why'd you start a podcast? Because you obviously don't need a job, but it's called <laughs> Chuck Gates needs a job. Why'd you do it? Was it just your board or? No, I like to hear myself speak. I mean, <laughs> no, I, I, everybody. I really, yeah, I really do. Um, no, I'm so. Here's kind of the, so it was, the first thought was I need to have something to do. You need to, need to do something to be relevant. Mm. Um, I love public speaking. So, okay, this is, this is a vehicle through which I can do it. I think the unexpected thing that happened with me that I didn't appreciate was just, you know, first episode, me and my best friend, both of us talking about getting fired. Second episode me and my priest sitting there talking about God and all like this other stuff. One. Um, just showing a little bit of vulnerability out there. I can't tell you the number of kind of direct messages, texts I get of people, hey, can we go grab lunch, grab a drink, whatever? And then they're telling me stuff. It's like, you know, oh my gosh, this is what's going on in my me life. And you got pretty deep the first time we met. We did. Yeah. No, no, we really did. And what I, so, and I don't mind talking stuff like that. What I didn't think, I would do because this is going to sound like old Fogarty stuff, old fogey type stuff. But what I didn't, I've actually had to adopt a level of responsibility with that. Where I mean, I can't just make a joke if I want to, you know, because there are certain people, whatever joke it is, if it's any sort of cutting joke about a certain class of people or whatever the case may be. I'm, get, I'm getting direct messages from people that are struggling with that right now. Right. So that's mm -hmm. kind of been the interesting thing for me is I really, I can't just hit a tweet. You know, I got to think about it uh, before I do. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we all make an offhand joke about, you know, some sort of ethnic class or we make an offhand joke about a certain type of person or just whatever. And we don't give it two thoughts. I mean, somebody out there is really struggling with that as yeah. an issue. And, and, and a little bit of empathy goes a long way in terms of helping folks. And so that's really, I mean, it just goes back to who you are, Chuck. You're just a, you're just a sweet dude, man. It's, uh, you know, sometimes I, I feel bad, uh, very short sometimes. Uh, it just lasts for like half a second. Super I'm like, rarely. should I really be this Colin Chuck? Like. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, short. and I just kind of pull back. But honestly, what happens is that, you know, I'm just, um, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. There's so much that kind of goes into like actually being up at the, I don't have the notoriety that you have, obviously. So nobody really cares what I tweet. Uh, but you know, it's still kind of funny to, for me, I think I'm, I, I do it to get a rise out of, out of people that I actually like and the people who I don't like really don't care anyways. Right. Uh, you know, kind of what they're probably going to get upset anyways or whatever issues they kind of got going on. I mean, it's very easy on paper. I'm very easy to hate. Right uh daddy's little girl kind of you know just kind of running around right kind of it's it's a it's an easy persona to hate yeah. it really is so it just i i don't know I, I i try to run with it now but i'm trying to there's moments it's actually my wife my wife told me that when the whole thing happened where you were like eft go get them and this and that and i started responding to everybody and i was having a great time i was laughing i right. thought it was funny right and um my wife, like, I went, I got in bed. I'm like, oh man, I got him good. And uh, she was just like, you feel good about yourself? And I'm like, yeah, I feel great about myself. And she's just like, well, she's like, you know, somebody might not be in the same mindset as you. And you being an asshole, frankly, it could really mess up somebody's day or it could make them feel really bad about themselves. Yeah. So she's like, why did you like, do you really want to be that guy? I'm like, no. And then she's just like, so, and I'm like, so quit damn it. it. Yeah. And right. I was yeah. like, all right. So actually, I, I, I stopped after that. After she kind of, she, she called off the dogs and I was like, all right, fine. Yeah. So try, you're right. It's, yeah. No, I try never to take a shot at somebody on, on EFT or fun, online. Though. It's fun. I always shot. try to be self-deprecating instead. Self-deprecating you know? is obviously the way to go, but come on, do this for me. Will you take a shot at somebody? You can take a shot at me if you want. I don't care. Oh, that's easy. I take shots at you and Colin and stuff online. <laughs> 
line and, and all take that. a shot but at just, somebody but like a, a mean nasty shot nah i'm not gonna do it no yeah that's not that's not nice either you get but, to be old you just don't want you don't want the grief yeah all right that's fair that's fair that's fair well i think that's been enough time of us kind of chatting because you know, yeah we, we could have talked for a long time we could have talked for another hour and a half but nobody really wants to hear us talk for that long yeah i don't think so plus i gotta go to the bathroom you, you know, always, being the, you being the old gotta, man you always gotta go to the <laughs> smallest bladder on the planet you always gotta go to the bathroom but you know what chuck thank you so much for coming i know we're gonna probably be you know doing this uh I, well meeting at the digital wildcat studio it's we're all kind of cross-contaminating right now so that's right uh there's an ointment for that we'll, yeah <laughs> we'll, be able to, we'll be able to fix that yeah, hopefully there's a, there's a deeper metaphor for that too uh, <laughs> um but thank you so much man obviously however love you it worked, very much. whether y'all came on mine or i came on you alls right we, oh, here God. we go again. Please tell me we can, <laughs> we can edit that Let's just out. end it. Do not, a, do I not edit that. I actually mean that. Do yeah. not edit that. Okay. All right. Love Thanks you, for coming on, Chuck. Love or you guys. Thank you for having us also, whoever, whichever Whatever platform you're listening to this on. Hugs and kisses. Hugs and kisses. They actually kissed people. I saw it. <laughs>